Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nasson here for an incredible stage recap. Stage 7 of the Tour de France 2021 brought to you by Lacole. One of the craziest Grand Tour stages, well, yeah, this is more memorable to me than any of the Giro stages. This was an incredibly long stage, 248 Ks. The first 150 Ks were pretty much flat, no categorized climbs, and then they get into uh, some like 3 Ks at 5%, 4 Ks at 4%, 5 Ks at 5%, 6 Ks at 5.5% on Signal Duchamp, the last climb, Cat 2, but it had a descent in the middle and it's steep at the end, 1K at like 10, 11%. So you needed to be a good climber to, if you're in the break, to really finish this stage ahead. It was going to roll and climb afterwards. But yeah, finishing in Le Creusot, 248Ks, it's going to you know, be six hours on the bike, although they finished early today. But yeah, out the gate, Benji. Oh, remind people what we said in the preview and before was an option for Yumbo today, given that there's no climbs at the start of the stage, so it's really strong rulers who can get in this break. Well, I didn't say it. You said it. It was uh, full credit to you for the uh, preview podcast we did. When it comes to stage seven, you said that this is the stage to put Vanard in the breakaway to try and put pressure on a team like UAE to see how good Bjergen so full can counter a breakaway and an attack like that. If Fanat is still closing GC, which was likely after the first week we just had. So uh, that's a very interesting story because uh, let us tell you how the stage unfolded. We started off actually right from the start, a lot of attacks in the peloton. And it was clear that two riders were instantly interested in going in the breakaway. At the front, we had your boy Van Aert trying to get in the breakaway. And a lot of riders as well. It wasn't directly Van Aert that tried to go for the initial attack, just so many attempts like at least 15 to 20 attempts before a final attack actually split up the group after a good 30, 40 kilometers at an insane pace at the start. And it didn't stop from there. Oh, crazy. Honestly, crazy. That group that got away included a lot of riders, 29, including Vanderpool, Van Arch, Osgren, Vincenzo Nibali, Thomas Quinn, so a teammate for Nibali. We've got Kro Andersen, Guerrero Mohoric, Barkelands Murice, which is a teammate of Vanderpool, Bonamour, Kort Nielsen, Hull, Simon Yates as well, from Poppel, Gilbert, from Barla, a teammate for Ineos, the only rider from Ineos in the breakaway, Godon, Van Moor, Laporte, Campenaert, Steven, again a teammate for Nibali. And we've got a few more riders, Mark Cavendish in the green jersey, Harry Sweeney, we've got Mike Turnison for Wout van Aert, Conrad and Erviti, and that's the uh, full format <laughs> of the breakaway. <laughs> Just a 30-man breakaway. And you might be asking, where were UAE? Why didn't they do anything? Well, okay, it looked like they weren't really ready for it at the front either. I didn't see Bjerg and Steker Lang and their I engines. think I saw one. I think yeah. I saw one the second that the group was already like 30 meters ahead that he panicked and went to the front of the peloton and started pacing. And that reaction was too too late because... If you have 29 people with a good 30-meter, 40-meter gap that are riding to try and get away from you, 
and you're going to try and do it with Bjerg alone, that's not going to work out unless it stops. And then you're going to have to put your entire team at the front with UAE to try and crawl this back. And that's exactly what started happening. And it's exactly what you said was going to happen. With an odd in the breakaway, put pressure on UAE on the stage to see how strong they were. And this stage showed how strong they were. I think UAE quickly, they, they held the gap. They were running absolutely full, everyone rotating a, like a three-second, four-second pull. The whole team on the front, except not Pagacci wasn't pulling. So like Formalo, Hirschi, Rui Costa, Steke Langen, Mikkel Bjerg, all rolling turns and, uh, and Micah. And then they quickly realized they're holding it at 30 seconds and it was 40 seconds. And they're like, we are not going to be able to outpull a breakaway of 30 rulers, uh, maybe 20 rulers, 10 sort of climbing guys. Um, so they, they quickly just were like, we're going to have to keep numbers. Remember, there's like 200 Ks left in the stage at this point. So four hours, five hours of racing. And so they just started to keep numbers and that meant the break started, the gap started to go up very, very quickly. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing. If you let a break and this was obviously a plan. This wasn't just like, oh, wow, it slipped into a break. He tried like three or four times, maybe more. And you saw him talking to MVDP as well. So breaks established, the gap is going out. Uh, UAE are then pacing at a pace where they can they basically put Swap Bjerg and uh, Steker Langen on this flat section and yeah try and keep numbers. I think the biggest gap, well the biggest gap it got to Benji like six thirty or seven minutes or something. Six thirty, and that gap made sure that the GC virtually was looking uh completely upside down. Like Vanderpool's at the front, so that wasn't exactly changing. But if you have that situation, then Avanard is on thirty seconds in GC second virtually. Osgren, a minute 49 on third in GC virtually. Vincenzo Nibali on 255, on to fourth. And if you think at that moment that if the break keeps cooperating and the gap continues to go on from 6.30 to 7.30, 8.30, if they cooperate, and if it goes to 10 minutes, then you might start thinking how many minutes does a Van der Poel and a Van Aert and a Nibali mean, uh, need to get into GC contention here? And we started throwing it on Twitter, look at people's reactions and so forth. A lot of people were saying 10 minutes, 7 minutes, 12 minutes, stuff like that. I think that um, from that point onwards, I'm afraid the gap started tackling down and for multiple reasons. But before we get to that, we had an intermediate sprint. Cavendish won the break, took 20 points. That's the end of the story there. So uh, yep. yeah, no second, no second in the break, Benji. So Cav, I mean, on fire, getting in that break. And then remember it was funny that him and Guerrero having issues. Guerrero seems to have issues with people. Uh, it was pretty hot. Oh, I wasn't too hot today. It's going to be getting a bit hotter as they get into the Alps. I think it's like 25 degrees top. If you are thinking of riding in the Alps in hot conditions, perhaps you want to check out our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel and they've just launched their lightweight collection which will help you stay cool in summer on long rides and is made of breathable fabrics and lightweight materials if you want to check out lacole's kit so they support the podcast then you can use code lrtdf20 all caps lrtdf20 to get you 20 percent off lacole items but it wasn't just uae pulling it's total energy benji also pulling because I guess they want Pierre Latour to come 12th on GC. Um, no one, I mean, they weren't really making too much of a difference, but that made no sense to me that Total Energy were contributing. Uh, but that sort of thing does happen. And I guess with that gap going out to so much, it meant that the breakaway being so big 
other people decided to be passengers because you've got Wout Van Aert and Matthew Van Der Poel in there. You know, if you don't care about GC, you're not going to get caught with a six-minute no. gap. You can sit on, and that's the problem with this break. And then when did you see the cooperation really start to disintegrate, Benji? Was it when Morich and Van Moor went for the KOM sprint? Yes, with about 87k to go, that happened. Morich ended up winning the sprint against Van Moor because he launched like with 400 meters, and Morich just had a lead out by Van Moor, in all honesty. But um, from that point onwards, Morich looked back and thought, perhaps this can be like the final stage in Catalonia, where he worked together with Thomas again and then drops him on the final descent. So he looks back to Van Moor, gets Van Moor on his back, and they start riding as a duo from that point onwards, expanding their gap on the second group. Because, I don't know, the tactics in the second group, my mind, uh, it, it goes beyond me. You've got Murice, who waits, Turnison, sorry, Turnison, that waits so long to cooperate for Van Aert. He was sitting at the back of that group so long during the entire first half of the race. And it takes such a long time for him to take the front. And then he starts cooperating like five to 10 kilometers after which he drops. So yeah, uh, I feel like Tunison wasn't really worth much today in that breakaway. And that's a bit of a bummer because if you put anyone else, perhaps, well, then again, he crashed on day one, but yeah, I don't know. It's still, if you can pace 10 kilometers afterwards on a, on an important section as well, then perhaps do it earlier and don't let the gaps run out so much, for example. And if you can keep the cooperation going while attacks are ongoing, that's going to reduce the uh, effect that it has on the time gap. Because if people keep attacking and then it slows down again, that's going to lower your time gap on the group behind. UAE keeps pacing. That's going to stay. And you've got Trek as well right there. Long story about that, right? Because uh, yeah. not I mean... long after Van Moore and Mohoric, we had a move by Kampenarts who tried to uh, bridge towards the front and Steven jumped onto the wheel to join the front group. And I just think they made mistakes here today. I mean, Trek, I think, completely just shut the bed today. I've had three riders in the break. They, I think Pedersen said before the stage, they wanted to go for the stage with uh, Jesper Sturven and then have him bridging to Mohoric, not attack Mohoric and... When you look, like Morich is so underrated, and you, this guy has come what top five in Liège last year, tenth this year, yeah. uh, top tens multiple in Milano San Remo. He's he's really good, and he's won the stage in the Giro and the Vuelta. And they bridged Sturvan to him, who and we you were saying it on Twitter, like we were discussing it, like there's we're like there's literally no way he doesn't get dropped on that Signal Duchamp. Literally no way he doesn't get dropped, and he got spat with a K to go on that. Once Morich has got a gap on you with that descent, game over. So they basically threw Sturvin up the road and then stopped pulling at all when Sturvin, I thought, had like no chance to win the stage at all. They've got Nibali who wasn't going for GC and, listen, maybe he really doesn't have the legs and he'll, he'll lose like 30 minutes or something. Okay, granted. But they've been given this golden situation where they can gain like 10 minutes for free perhaps, maybe not 10, but seven or eight minutes and now it's hard to lose a top 10 as a competent GC rider um, if they just keep pulling with Sturvin and cooperate. And I get with Lotto, Sadal attacking, they're not going for GC. They want to win the stage with Van Moor, Gilbert, or Harry Sweeney. Makes sense. But Trek, the best rider I thought they had for the stage was Schoens. Tom Schoens is yep. good in long, hard races. He said that himself. He's won Trevelli Varacine. He That's classic of San Sebastian. He's been active. I thought he was their best rider to bridge with Moharic. But, yeah, 
And then we had Benji with Trek. I'll finish the Trek point because I don't want to dwell on them too much. We had a point in the race where we had Sturvin in the front group, Nibley attacking out of group two to chase down the Sturvin group. Schoen's kind of following him. And then Mollimer at the front of the peloton behind. And I was like, are they just trying to get as many people on in front of each moto at the same time? So, yeah, it, I think they didn't really – they went for Movistar the stage. Tactics. Yeah, they went for the stage with the, the completely wrong person. And I think it's complete parkour mis-evaluation uh, from Yeah, and, and even like you indeed posed the question, should they try and go for GC with Nibali? He said he wasn't going to go for it. If you have a golden situation like you mentioned where you're given so many potential minutes – I don't get why you don't try and use either Scoins or Steven to at least set the pace, because if you keep doing that while the attacks are ongoing, then you're not going to lose time to the peloton in that exactly, thing. And yeah. you would have you you went from seven minutes to five minutes in that group because there was no cooperation. If you have Scoins pacing there or keeping up the pace while others are just yodeling about a bit, well, then you can keep that on seven minutes or even expand it. And that's not happening. And now you don't have a stage win. And now you don't have a GC bonus because of this. Because you basically threw both away. And you had uh, a proper chance to uh, do well for both. So the cooperation group two completely disintegrates because of now this group of Kampanath, Sturven, Van Moor and uh, Mohoric. That being said, the gap didn't come down too much. Yeah. We saw Björk put he they start to get into the climbs now. Björk's done. Burgard's Jacob Langen is done. Here she's pulling really early with like 90 kilometers to go. And that gap is not coming down despite, as Mandy said, them yodeling about in this group two, the breakaway with Wout Van Aert and Matthew Vanderpol, because UAE were cooked. They couldn't that they were just pulling for their life and just trying to hang on. So Murasa eventually did start to pull with Van der Poel, but Van der Poel had to do a lot of work in that group. And that's the problem with these large breaks with passengers and with two high-profile riders in them. Riders like Sörenkra Anderson will not help you, and they didn't. Simon Yates barely helped, but they will attack you later. Same with Magnus Court, etc. And that, listen, if I'm Magnus Court and Sörenkra Anderson, of course, that's exactly what you should do because you don't care about the GC gap at all. Uh, but yeah, the gap was still like five minutes to six minutes, depending on whether they're on a climb or a descent. We were thinking, I thought the whole time, Benji, that Wout Van Aert would go clear with MVDP and ride um, and just agree that Wout will not contest a stage win at all and ride it for GC because that's the whole point of this move to put Pagatra under pressure. They didn't seem to really have, like that didn't seem to be ironed out completely. Um, but I've kind of got lost it. We need, I need to get a kilometre marker now. It's so, so chaotic. I think 74Ks to go. One minute for the Vanderpol group, 6.11 for the Pagacha group, some cooperation with Murasa, Campanas dropping. And then um, let's skip forward to Signal Duchamp, Benji, with uh, Mohoric and, and Sturvin and Vren uh, van Moor. It was what we expected, right? Yeah, indeed. Mohoric drops the rest. Quite simple as that. Uh, Stuyven was the last one to hang on, but it was still with like 1.2 kilometers towards the top. And that's the steepest part of it. It's 11%. It has peaks up to 18, according to some people on Twitter that I saw uh, doing a recon themselves. So it's definitely a very, very difficult final kilometer and it's going to hurt and it's going to expand that gap in that final kilometer. So Mohoric is going to keep on expanding and it's not like you're going to come back in the descend on Mohoric. So from that point onwards, you know, if Mohoric stays on his bike, Mohoric wins the stage. Quite simple as that. 
Yep, and that's exactly what happened. He went clear, not that technical descent, but still technical enough. Patrick Conrad had attacked from behind. He'd actually started pulling the MVDP Wout van Aert group, actually coaxed them a bit into action. And Simon Yates was dropping out of that group, and it was Asgren then taking over after Conrad, but they could never really get any purchase on Morich either. Uh, eventually, I think Asgren went clear in that Conrad group. Wout had attacked. It went the cameras then changed back. We'll do GC group in a second. We'll finish with, I guess, the front group. Um, and, yeah, it was Morich soloing clear. He's now won a stage in the Giro, the, uh, the Vuelta, and the Tour de France. They've had their leader crash out in the Giro, Landa, and then they won a stage with Mader. They had Hay crash out of GC here, and now they've won a stage with Morich. So incredible work from Morich, and I think, yeah, perfect for this stage. Uh, I think he was a bit underrated by the break. But, anyway... Going back to, say, Asgren and, and MVDP and Wout now, Benji, Wout and MVDP go clear. I think they're worried about losing the time gaps because you've been in the break for 230 Ks. You've had a seven-minute lead, and you're now thinking, oh, it's going to be like one minute, 90 seconds. That's a waste of our energy pretty much. Um, is that what you saw from Wout, just wanting to keep that gap at least to three minutes plus? I think as well, Asgren was uh, just ahead in a group that just got away with port. So I think that's also a factor that they wanted to uh, at least neutralize the possibility of Asgren taking a minute and a half and taking yellow. I don't think that was possible at that point. But I, I indeed think that it's more your theory that they're trying to keep the peloton behind. Because in the peloton behind, stuff was happening. They were also on Signal Duchamp at that point. And uh, madness occurred as Ineos took the front. I think... Uh, Pogacar had one teammate left. I think it was Micah that was left. And it was not UAE pacing anymore. Ineos had been taking over. And this is textbook stuff by Ineos. The entire stage, they let UAE eat their plate out. And the second that they can do an attack, they pace just before the attack. And they do that vigorously to drop every person of UAE, except for Micah there. And that worked out perfectly because nearing the top, they made a move. They made a move by first having Richie Port do a crazy tempo, Pogacar in the wheel, and then Carapaz attack just before the top, not far from the top. And while all this was happening, Fambala was still ahead from the breakaway. And at the back of the peloton, unfortunately, we had Roglic dropping. Yeah, Roglic was dropping. We also saw Jonas Wingergaard had been... Jonas Wismar's luck has been absolutely insane this first week. He's in the middle of the peloton, on a climb, nothing going on. Peo Bilbao, well, like he unclipped his pedal or something, causes a stack, Vingard uh, goes, crashes over Valverde, but gets up quickly. And, you know, some will say it's random. Others will say Bahrain, do not forget, after the Gino made a Paranese incident. But, yeah, I can't you – know, I couldn't believe that the luck that um, Jumbo Visma had been having, uh, although they, you know, they got well up the road. So, yeah. Ineos setting it up, I thought they would because they did so on Liège, similar, you know, similar finish with, with Richard Carapaz yep. and they attacked with El Hagua. El Hagua de Tulcan bared his teeth today attacking out of that group. No one reacts. Although we, we barely had any camera footage for quite a while. We knew that yep. um, the camera was on random people for some reason. But, yeah, Carapaz attacks. He's got Van Baal up the road. How much time is he going to gain? If any, it eventually cuts back and it's uh, it's EF pacing for Uran's GC and Movistar pacing for Enric Mas GC, which I think if the if the die is cast and we're in stage 20 and it's a matter of 
can you move up? You know, you, you're, you are literally losing your top five position or podium position, you know, and you've got no chance to change that. I understand it. But we're in stage seven, first before the first rest day. We have Pagacha pretty much isolated and presumably flustered. You have the full team of Movistar and you just use it to basically neutralize the GC action. I, I yeah. think... I, I don't think what they did is indefensible. It's just very, very negative and top five thinking, which, listen, maybe that's their goal. Fine, whatever. Intoxication, maybe, mate. Yeah, yeah, maybe that too. But if you actually want to do something here and, you know, listen, podium, you're going to need to knock out a lot of other people. Like Port and Thomas, they're still here in week three. They're going to destroy Mars and the TT. Like Anyway, I would have preferred if they'd um, attacked to be honest, they had two satellite riders up the road. If I preferred if Mars attacked and tried to gain some time on Pagacha. That would have been slightly less negative. EF, it is what it is. Sort of, I'm not too surprised. I mean, they got Nielsen Powers. They uploaded Lockie Morton's GPX file onto his head unit today and he went into the bushes um, doing some off-roading. Powers, though, could be good for Iran if he attacks right. later. But, yeah, sorry, uh, jokes aside, what, what's your take on the Movistar situation, Pace and Carapaz? Benji? Well, First of all, we have EF. I think that EF is a typical thing I expected. They did the same at Italia Basque Country in that one stage where Vingegaard was in the break, McNulty was in the second group, and EF started pacing in the final descent, right? Or the other way around? Well, I can't remember. Somebody EF paced somebody back while it wasn't <laughs> needed because they wanted to keep a good position in GC. And they did it again today, and I, I'm not really surprised by it. The focus for UAE, for, for EF, for Uran should be consistency throughout the stages. That's how he usually does, and that's how he keeps himself at the front of GC. And right now, we saw today that they lost one of their competitors again. Roglic is now, honestly, completely out of GC. I don't see a way for him to come back. And therefore, I do understand what they did. Now, Movistar is... I think it's somewhat a similar situation. I don't think they have a rider that can win here. I just It's just negative racing, I feel like. And... I don't necessarily blame them for doing this, but it also just isn't too entertaining to see such stuff happening. And I think that's a factor in our criticism. I uh, I think tactically I can understand it, but it's also not the most uh, the most clever thing, I guess, because if you if you put pressure on Pogacar himself to have to do the chasing here in this situation, then you're making sure that that is a competitor you can strike out in the future. Now, I don't think Pogacar is the imminent danger for Movistar because I don't think... Why yeah. can't why can't they attack him? They had four riders plus. Are they good enough? Have we seen them being good enough this this sort of Who's going to bring them back? They have... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe Jesus. I mean, I guess this is just, you know, some teams come to the Tour to win. Some teams come trying to get top five and... That interplay yeah. will help out riders like Pagacha, who has the early lead on GC. That incumbent advantage helps out a lot. But Benji yeah. and I have kind of chopped and changed. That Movistar pacing eventually brought back Carapaz on the line, which is kind yeah. of crazy. Um, so limiting the lot, the any GC advantage from Carapaz. It was a really good move from Ineos. They they pretty much invested yeah. nothing. They invested nothing today. Then Van Baal sat in the break, didn't take a pull, and. Um, Carapaz attacked on the last climb and got a pull from Van Baal and Kwiatkowski and Castroviejo pulled for like 30 seconds on Signal Duchamp. So they invested literally nothing thanks to Yumbo Business Day. But I'll do the top 10 and, and the GC just for completeness. 
Morris wins a minute 20 ahead of Sturban. It wasn't close. Then a minute 40 ahead of a group of Court, Van der Poel, Asgren, Bonnemore, Conrad, Van Aert, Van Moor, Godon. That ran out of the top 10. So Van der Poel and, and Wout van Aert caught that G2 and eventually sprint around them, uh, both looking absolutely cooked, Van der Poel and Wout van Aert. In terms of the GC group, it was Alaphilippe, Leading around, uh, Mars, Carapaz, Latour, Igita, Lushenko, Vingegaard, Pagacha, Molima, Bilbao. Is Thomas in here? I believe he is. So, Richie Port's in there. Uh, so, Thomas was dropping initially, it said by the, on yeah. the race radio, but he, he made it back in, whereas Roglic couldn't make it in. Roglic finished on 9.03 with Bagui and Gashka, which was a full four minutes after. So, he, here's the GC standings. Not much has actually changed, really. Yeah. Just... Uh, a few riders leaf, leapfrogging a lot. Van der Poel obviously still in the yellow jersey for stage tomorrow, 30 seconds ahead of Van Aert. Asgren third on the 149. Moric jumps 30 places to fourth on 301. Pagacha moves down to fifth on 343, but he's the person he's lost time to is Van Aert. He's now three uh, three minutes and 13 seconds behind Wout Van Aert. Not a disaster. We'll talk. About, maybe do some grades in a second. Nibali jumps up loads. He's now on 4.12 on GC. That's not going to be enough for him to finish in the top 10, one wouldn't think. Alaphilippe, Luchenko, Latour, Uran rounding up the top 10 on about four to five minutes. Vingegaard kind of close. Rogla is 33rd on nine minutes. He's done. So, um, yeah. yeah. The thing is like... Sorry, go on. No, despite him losing time today, a lot of class by Roglic because after the stage, the imminent thing he does just after the line is... Sees a kid by the side of the road, gives his beat on to the kid and continues onward. So I really appreciate that. And that shows that Roglic once again shows his class at the end of the stage that he uh, did not entirely uh, end happily, I'm saying. And that, that brings me towards like, who are the winners and the losers in today's stage? And we're looking at UAE who are arguably a loser, but they ended up with a relatively decent result for a loser because their entire team is devastated today. Their weakness is shown. Every other team now knows that if tomorrow a 30-man breakaway gets loose and UAE can't stop it, it's going to be an entire day of working for UAE and the break is most likely going to win unless there's another team that is not in the breakaway. So that's a factor there. But Pogacar himself didn't really have to do much. Now, he didn't react to Karapals, whether that's because he couldn't or didn't want to. No, I didn't want to. I'm guessing it's the second part. Yeah, I guess so as well. And I think that... On paper, they ended relatively well for the situation we expected to have halfway the stage. So I'd put them on a on a draw today, knowing that perhaps a bit of a lose, knowing that their tactics, yeah, their team I, weakness was shown. Exactly. It's we we expected it, and maybe people thought we were overblowing it. They're like, oh, cool. how much does team strength really matter? Well, it's obvious to everybody now that this UAE team can be put under pressure from the get go, and. I think Pagacha pretty much escaped unscathed today, honestly. He gained time on Roglic. He didn't get lose any time to any Ineos riders. He lost three minutes to Wout Van Aert, who apparently is not in good condition compared to last year. Three minutes, I mean, God, on the climbs. He, could, he, might, he, might, do that. he might do that on one stage. So I think if I'm Pagacha, I'm super happy with how the day finished. That being said, I mean, we're looking at stage tomorrow, Benji, um, Yep. 151 Ks. <laughs> his team will be buckled. They yep. had to work for six to seven hours today, full gas, yep. 
we have a hard stage tomorrow. And like the collection of these three climbs, Ineos surely must try again, especially as we even have a climb straight off the gate. But yeah, 151Ks from Oyunax to Le Grand Bonon starts out the gate with 5K, 6.6%. I think this is an opportunity to put Cavendish under OTL pressure. If you're Sagan and Colbrelli and Bike Exchange, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I think you can drop him out the gate. And then there's a value then you can work with, say, Durbridge, Grundel Janssen and Co. Mej gets um, before some rolling climb, 6Ks, 4%, 3Ks, 4%. Before we get into the meat of the action with 100Ks done, 6Ks, 8%. Descent, Calderon, 9Ks, 9%. That's hard. Short descent, not that long to recover, get back into some food. Col de la Colombière, 7.5Ks, 8.5%, which has, I'm pretty sure from memory, yes, the last K and a half is, is like over 10% gradient uh, before the descent to the line. I think winning the stage will be Quintana from the break. He lost time on purpose today, but I think Ineos have to try again, Benji, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if I see another satellite rider in a break. Yeah, and the thing is like to look at tomorrow, we need to look at today a bit more, I think, first of all. I think uh, we were talking about winners and losers. I think we also need to take a look at what Jumbo is going to do in the coming days. They've got Van Aert on 30 seconds. They have Jonas Vingegaard as arguably GC leader now. No, clear, clear GC Van leader. That. Clear. Yeah, I think so as well, for me as well. Five minutes, 18 down. I don't think he's going to be climbing on the level of Pogacar. That's pretty sure in my eyes. So I'm looking at a potential top five, perhaps, for Jonas Vingegaard. No, I think it's closer. Yeah. I think Vingegaard podium, pretty much a lock. Ah, um, are you sure about that? Mate, he's 58. He's, what is he? 60 kilos. He did that TT. That's big, pass. That's big fucking power. Pogacar. Yeah. Do you think that the third spot is going to be on us, Vingegaard? Why not? Why not, though? <laughs> he, did, he did like, what, a 6.2, 6.3? It's going to be 30. close, but that's yeah. one spot. Like. <laughs> That's He's on the TT have, bike. Like, a perfect moment here. I don't. I don't know. It's got Wout van Aert. I mean, they just got a. Yeah. Okay. Let's discuss this. Podiums. Yeah, it's probably more a safer bet, more experience, and probably overhyping him. Um, how did TJV play this then, Benji? They got Wout up there, but not up there very far. It's not like he got ten minutes. Roglic, does he stay in the race to help as a domestique in, say, week three? And they got Jonas. He's on 5.18, which puts him at a minute 30 or so behind Pagaccio, a minute, you know, give or take. How do they play this? I think that either you go very far. I don't think you can use Roglic in this situation. He's not looking that great. He wasn't looking on, oh, the, not good on the bike today. So I think Roglic himself, I dare to say that it wouldn't surprise me if he's out of the race in the coming days as preparation for Vuelta instead. because. I don't see it as being useful for the team in the imminent days. And if you have to wait till week three to be useful for Vinga, he's going to be struggling so much in the next couple of days as well. He was suffering today and you could use the argument, well, Yumbo did that themselves by putting Wout van Aert in the breakaway, but nah, come on. If it's not today, it would have been the other days that Roglic was having the struggle. So in the end, uh, how can they play it? I think I'd put Wout van Aert in the break again. Exactly the same thing. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, 5K, 6%, and then you've got that long. So he, he can be in the break, no problems for the first 100Ks. Gaining time. If I'm quick step, I try and get Philippe in the break as well. Yep. I think quick step, the, the race situation wasn't perfect for them today. They had Asgren there. They tried with Alaphilippe, but just didn't make it. 
was well, yeah, oh, really true. Cool. Yeah, he did make the break that he was trying to get into moves. I think the team that is most happy, despite Carabas being brought back, is Ineos. It's it's oh. obvious what they can do. They've got Thomas, who he's not looking great, but he's still. He's on the same time, 10 seconds behind Carapaz, 10 seconds behind Vingegaard. He's still in the fight. Um, they have the strongest team probably on paper now with Roglic not looking good. Uh, I would say Fiatkovsky and all that experience, Castroviejo, Dylan Van Baal, et cetera. I think, I mean, they go through La Roche-Sotheron tomorrow. I'm not sure if that's the same place Carapaz and Fiatkovsky attacked. We're in a break last year, but... Yeah, getting a satellite rider in the break and then attacking again with Carapaz earlier tomorrow and then forcing Pogaccia to do something is, I'd expect them to try that. And then Port, maybe they do it with Port, Benji. I, I think maybe Port's the man you attack with because yep, he, he, can do, well. he can do really good numbers. He, he he needs the high mountains and these sort of long climbs. He's been, all these stages don't suit him as much and uh, he, he's got to make time back up. He's so far back, but not ridiculously far back. Yeah, but uh, I, I kind of feel like Thomas is the more the kind of attacking rider that I'd expect to go in breakaways. Oh, he doesn't have legs right now. Or just doesn't look like that. I don't know why. It just oh, doesn't not from feel the break. right. But not, from, not from the break. I, I think he attacks from the GC group. If you're Ineos and you see today, then you do see a breakaway as an opportunity to take time back on a team like UAE or put them under pressure, you know? So I still think that they should at least attempt it with somebody. True. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe they go satellite. I'm not sure. I think they definitely should try something tomorrow because the UAE yep. guys will be pretty tired. The problem for Yumbo Visma is, I mean, you can try what you like. Pagach is going to be putting Wanfanad under a lot of pressure on those climbs at, a, at best, a lot of pressure, slash probably putting a lot of time into him. Yep. Like there's that descent finish not so long. But, yeah, I can't wait to see tomorrow. Hopefully it's really open with that early climb. What about Astana, Benji? They didn't really get in the move today. They've they still, missed out. Yeah, they yeah. really missed out. Ugo Ul was the only rider of Astana in the breakaway. Have so many riders that fit on the parkour today. Yeah. And that could have contended for the stage win against Mohoric. They didn't do so. Lutsenko is uh, still at their NGC, top 10 still. If you uh, count the riders that gained time in GC out, then he's top five or something or top six in GC right now. So... um. I'd expect them to still go in the breakaway despite having Lutsenko so far up. I would expect so. They've got Fulsang. They have Omar Freyla as well. I think I had Freyla for the stage, but today we had Magnus Court Nilsson going extremely strong for Yev Education first. I think that we're going to see the likes of a Valgren try and stuff like that as well in the coming days. And I think that Astana and Yev are the ones I'm looking at for these breakaway stages. Together with, like you said, Quintana, who clearly lost time on purpose. Or had a bad day. We didn't no. see it, but I'd expect it to be for the breakaway. I believe. I believe. It's for the green jersey, man. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Kentucky. There's just uh there's so much difference from yesterday when it comes to the state of these GC teams. And there's gonna be a lot of thinking tonight on what teams are in a good situation right now, who is not. I think Yev is looking to be a stronger team than expected team-wise. Higita's performing really well. Yep. I think that they can play that out. Ron's not going to attack. Like, we know that. But what if you try and get Higita in an attack like what happened today and gain three minutes in the breakaway? Like, stuff like that could really play a role. And who's going to catch Higita? Who's going to mark Higita in the first place? I think that's a rider which which you can play so aggressively and gain stuff. 
Emmanuel Buchmann, we haven't seen much of him, but he also said he wanted to go in breakaways. Guillaume Martin, same story. These are the names I'm expecting. Aurelien Parepantre has not gone in break yet. Nospiters, those are the names. And there's so many of these names Arcona. that could go into breakaways. Yes, indeed. I think that when it comes to Alaphilippe, indeed trying to go in the breakaway at the start, or uh, I think Cataneo would be nice for a stage. But if you don't go with Alaphilippe, then you might as well keep him with Alaphilippe. I think that um, GC should be more important in that team. At the end of the day, Agacha didn't have to close a single gap himself on this stage. He lost three minutes to a rider. He'll back himself to beat handily in the mountains and gain time on on Roglic, the pre-race joint favourite. The problem is, so that means tomorrow it needs to be the, the goal, whatever, whichever way you want to do it, from the GC group attacking with a, a second, third threat, tier threat like Port or from a break, satellite rise, whatever, the goal has to be tomorrow, make Pagacha do something in the wind for a long time and um, you know, put, him on, put him under pressure and wait for the heat. It's supposed to be hot soon. Yes, Benji. Matcha Vanderpool, he's now sitting in the yellow jersey. Can how, long do we, how, do, how long do we think he can keep it? Because like today, game time, he's going to try this again in the next couple of days. About, you know about that. 20, about 22 hours. I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think that... If he gained 10 minutes today, I would have counted him as a GC threat. Oh, my gosh. It's Matthew Vanderpool. He's proven everyone wrong every step of the way. He's not going to be climbing at the level of the others, at the level of Apogatra and so forth. But he's going to be climbing close to the level of, I don't know, uh, a Lucas Hamilton, perhaps? No on fucking his- way. Come on. It- it's Vanderpool. <laughs> he's going to surprise us. You know it. Man, you know like, it's going to happen. He's like 75 kilos. You got tomorrow, Benji. They, tomorrow they do <laughs> back-to-back 6Ks, 8%, 9Ks, Everybody 9%, wants it. 7.5Ks, 8.5%, finishing with 10% pinches with no f- flat in between. Uh, he's going to be on the break tomorrow. Do you reckon? He was I so should. spent at the end. I don't know about that. I think he loses yellow tomorrow. Probably. Do you, do you think Van Aert takes it off him tomorrow? I think Van Aert, or do you think Pogaccia goes into yellow? Pogaccia should just destroy everybody tomorrow. <laughs> if if his team is not spent before the last two climbs, use the team yourself and just drop everybody. Make a statement for before the rest day arrives. I'd like to see what Morich recovery is like. I, if I'm Morich, I would try and get in the break as well. Yes. Imagine if Bahrain had Padun here. Whew, if they had Padun, Haig, Morich... Yeah, that would just be an unbelievably strong. Landa, Carrizo. Yeah, well, they, they did the Giro <laughs> yeah. program. But yeah, and ex- uh, this is one of the most exciting stages of the year. If you look at the results, you, you see, okay, it's not crazy, crazy, but there were times there where we were like, is Wampanoag well, going to take 15 minutes? I'll certainly remember it for a long time. I think question marks for Movistar and Trek perhaps and maybe Total Energy. I- I'm less harsh on Total, Benji, honestly, like throwing one rider up the front. Just, yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. we're underrating Latour. I think he might oh, okay, be well, an overperformance at the end of the Tour de France. I think that Pierre Latour has a time trial. I think he has decent climbing. I think he can top seven GC. Yeah, I think so. Not great maybe for those teams. Jumbo Visma, great plan, good initial execution. It's not the result they wanted for sure, but you can't blame them for having a crack and it, it made sense. Uh, I think whether Wout's up the road or not, they got to sit in all day. And if Roglic were going to get dropped there, 
as he did, he was going to get dropped regardless, you know, of whatever way they'd, they'd race. But, yeah, shame to see him like that. Do you think they should keep him in the race, Benji, as a domestique for week three, just quickly? I don't know. I find it, it's up to it depends on, on his health, you know, because, like, they will know better than us when they need to pull out a rider like uh, like Roglic from this race and what his goals will be after this. Because Tokyo's coming. He's going to be selected. He is selected, I think. I think I read it today for both the time trial and the road race, I think. And then finally, we also have the fact that there's a Velta and he's not winning the tour, so he's going there. You know that. So um, I think that it might be a better option to pull him out and go for the Velta. But I would love to see him fighting, but only if it doesn't strike bad to his health. Yeah, exactly. Like if if they do have reasonable belief that he can, you know, improve over the rest day and stage ten before maybe Madison on the Vol Two stage, keep him in. But if he's, you know, you don't want to create another Pino situation either. No. Uh, so that's something. I mean, we don't know his health, so but it's just something to bear in mind. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I can't wait for tomorrow's stage. I, was, I had something else to say, but I, I'm forgetting Benji. I think yeah, Pagacha. He's. It wasn't too hot today. It's getting hot soon. I think projections of like 30 degrees in Europe, it's getting very hot in the Pyrenees, in Pyrenees where I mm-hmm. am. Um, that's just something to watch. I don't no. think he's as good in the heat. And they mentioned after the TT, I love the cool conditions. So just something to watch as well. Maybe Rose. I think, um, yes. I think UE called Total and said, we're going to shut out your, uh, your pipeline, <laughs> your old pipeline. And if you, uh, don't start pacing now, then uh, you've got no oil. So I think that's how it all went to the front. You do a very good job pacing. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts down below. Really, it's a tough and messy stage to recap with so much happening. Uh, Who do you think were the winners and losers of today's stage? I think Ineos, they're just there. They're still staying in the fight with three guys and um, just never count out. The, the team that's won the Tour de France so much in the last 10 years. So I think they're Pogaccia's big threat, but I'm obviously high on Wingergaard too. But until tomorrow's stage recap, ciao.